0: Good morning, everybody. My name is Pete Roque. I'm the Code Enforcement Director for 4Leaf. I'm here with my co-host Cecilia Muela from the city of Santa Rosa. She is the Assistant Chief Building Official for that city. And our special guest today is Mr. Juan Garza, coming from the city of Bellflower, California. So Mr. Garza, um, I met Mr. Garza some time ago during one of my stints in another jurisdiction. I was in the city of Montebello and you know, happened to be walking by, and he was walking out the council chambers. I think he had some business uh, going on, and I recognized him as one of the guys on the pictures at City Hall. I'm like, hey, I think that's my council member, and you know, <laughs> I ended up talking to him. And one of the, one of the beauty of um, uh, I love doing is, you know, actually I take the the time to try to get to meet some of my council members and. Particularly, I worked in the city of uh, Bellflower for some time, and I got to meet all of them, but he was one of the newer uh, generation of code enforcement officers, I mean, city council members that came into the city, and, you know, I I went up to him, and, you know, he didn't give me the fluff, like, yeah, yeah, call me. I actually called him, and we actually, I think we scheduled a, a lunch, and then we just had a long conversation and realized that Mr. Garza, just an average person, just like you and I, and, you know, but the things that he has done for the city of Buffalo are amazing. And also the things that um, he has uh, done with, just in in the whole um, government uh, relations realm is also amazing and I'm gonna let him, I'll shut up a little bit and let him introduce himself and can go ahead, Mr. Garza.
1: Hey, thank you Pete and Cecilia and everyone. Thank you for the time and the interest. Uh, my name is Juan Garza. As Pete mentioned, I am the former uh, mayor of the city of Buffalo. Uh, also, the uh, prior president of the Los Angeles County Division of the League of California Cities, where in that role, I represented over 550 elected officials and close to 12 million residents from LA County uh, and dealing with issues in Sacramento. So uh, definitely proud of the record that, that uh, and the trust that people have had in me in my role. Uh, personally, I'm married uh, 24 years, three boys. Uh, as Pete mentioned, uh, raising them in Bellflower, uh, proud to raise them in Bellflower. It's a great community, and um, yeah, I, I'm a current planning commissioner in the city of Bellflower as well. And, um, and just again, really, really proud to be here this morning with you all.
2: Yeah, we're excited to have you on board this morning, and and you know what? I think there's something to be said about taking on such an impactful role in the community, and also working you know, with, with such a, a large group of constituents, you know, in the city that you represent and at a higher level through, you know, Sacramento and really pressing on those issues that matter to the community. So it's definitely our pleasure to have you on board today.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And by the way, Pete, I, I, sometimes I, I do feel like I'm a code enforcement officer, by the way. So I think you were right on target when you said that before, man.
0: Yes. So so one of the reasons that uh, we wanted to invite you on is because, you know, as an elected official, you know, many code officers, you know, we fear elected officials. You know, some of, you know, I've heard in many forums and, you know, oh, our council doesn't want us to do this or our council doesn't want us to do that. And one of the things that I always stress is, you know, people like yourself don't run on the platform like I don't want the city to improve and I want it to look crappy you know i want to most people run on the platform you know what i want to better my city i want it to look nice i want to i want it to be a place to live work and play mm-hmm. and you know and who, and who's better to do that than code enforcement officers you know so so you know and and one of the things i see in many jurisdictions is a lot of, there's not a miscommunication with some of the code enforcement officers and city council members you know whether it be management or the city manager or or sometimes, sometimes, the, you know, the um, things get lost in translation or people just make assumptions of things that happened in the past, you know, oh, you can't touch this person because he knew council member from like 20 years ago, you know, so <laughs> so, so that happens. And, you know, so I'm here kind of to debunk the myths today. You know, you are an average uh, person uh, who ran for council and you made a big impact in their community. You know, I'm proud to be about Florian. Uh, you know, I seen it, um, you know, so, it, you know, uh, one of the things that I had the pleasure of, of seeing was uh, a vacant uh, downtown bellflower now flourishing into a very hot spot commodity and bringing in just excellent, uh, you know, excellent restaurants, uh, tourist attractions. So and, and it continues. And, you know, you help save, uh, set the uh, pace for that. So thank you very much. And, you know
1: yes absolutely Um really proud of, of everything we accomplished and, and again and as an example right a case study in bellflower but you know it, i'm reminded that you know um, everyone has a role in that and you know the city council is definitely you know it's it's uh it's, in our case it's five people right that are all heading in the right direction and you know in the community itself that it's sprouting to support those efforts that vision that the council set so uh, and then city staff that implements the policies including court enforcement so you know it's um that type of progress, uh, it takes it takes a village. Really, it just take a village to, to make it happen. Um, but again, really proud of the record that that we had while on my time on the council.
2: Right, and you know what, uh, Juan, when when you said. You know, I do sometimes feel like I am a code enforcement officer. I think there's something to be said that that's super important in that statement alone, because there's an acknowledgement of how important code enforcement truly is in your community and your commitment to help that code enforcement division, department, the building department really help and assist the community in the best ways possible. And I think for uh, for us, right, when we're in the position of being able to work with our city council members and our mayor, we're really looking to see how we can work collaboratively. Like you said, it takes a village, right? And so a lot of that comes in tune of, you know, what would be the best approach been working together, what are some tips that you would recommend as far as, you know, the different code departments throughout the state and throughout the nation, really? Um, what would you suggest would be some of those key points that you think are instrumental to be able to collaborate effectively with our city council members and our mayor? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm reminded that, that every city, every organization, every township, you know, every village in our nation um, has its different culture. Right, we all have similar foundations in terms of governance, in terms of trying to establish a location where our residents can enjoy, you know, a, their, a good quality of life. Right, to be able to um, enjoy the surroundings, you know, to raise a family and to have a business. So we all have different, definitely diff, uh, uh, similar foundations, but the 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 layers, everything that that goes upon building from that foundation, they're all they're all uh, similar but distinct. And so that leads into the fact that we do have different cultures in every single city. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have different council members and different personalities, uh, different objectives, uh, different goals, different visions. Um, and you know, when you're trying to marry all these things all in one, it's 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 challenging. Right. So uh, a lot of the times, what I found in my interaction with again with uh, colleagues in the code enforcement family, like like Pete and even in my city of Bellflower is is that communication is key, right? That it's important that, that we as elected hear from our code enforcement officials so that we're aware of what they are observing, what they are feeling, what they are smelling, what they're seeing in our community, because at the end of the day, um, an elected official is cannot be in every single inch of our city at every given time. So we do rely on those eyes and ears in the community to inform us of what's going on. And obviously we have members of the community, residents and business owners that inform us uh, from their perspective of what they're seeing. Uh, but what I found is that with our code enforcement officers specifically in code enforcement, because they've been entrusted with enforcing those rules that we have in our books to again, ensure that we have that quality of life, that we have that that city that we all envision to have. Uh, they Their viewpoint for me in my experience has been vital. And you know, to the comment made before, you know, I do sense this um, this almost like this invisible wall that at times can exist between a code enforcement official and an elected official. And, you know, the obviously the respect that goes into um, you know what it is to be an elected official, and this this assumption that right that that we are are expect, you know that, that code enforcement officers um, should tread carefully when they're dealing with elected officials. And again, while we're all different, what I would say is that. Um, any facts, any information that is provided to an elected official. And I can assure you that no matter how abrasive an elected official may seem or how nice an elected official may seem in any, in any village, in any town, any city, at the end of the day, they're all human. We all listen. We all need that data, that information. Um, and so the more that we as elected officials here are code enforcement officers, the better, because because again, since you're our eyes and ears, uh, we as elected officials are better able to service our residents, to service our, our businesses, to service our community, uh, to be able to address their issues. Because at, at the end of the day, I think that's one thing that joins us as elected officials and code, code enforcement officers, is thats is that we're all there to not only enforce the rules, but we're there to provide that end goal, which is to provide harmony and a, a good quality of life in our communities.
2: Right, exactly. And, you know, and and that's well said because we truly are, um, I heard a term used before, we truly are like the veins of the city, right? And we truly are, the code department is an extension of our city council members and and we are because we share the common goal, right? The city council has goals they they want to meet. They want to set for their council districts. They want to be able to provide that, you know, opportunity to its constituents. They want to be able to provide the support and the avenues for, you know, live work and play options and and safe communities. And there's nothing better than having again, like you said, your set of eyes and ears out there in the community, really ensuring the quality of life is being maintained. And in addition to that, to be able to, you know, report back to the city council and let the city council know, hey, this is what we've seen. These are the trends. This is where the areas of most need are. This is what we've done to be able to revitalize those neighborhoods and really give them an opportunity to thrive. So I think that's excellent, excellent information to be able to share with our community of city council members and mayors.
1: And and I could just add to that, you know, communication goes both ways, right? It's not just a matter of us as elected officials hearing from our code enforcement officers, But it's also our code enforcement officers hearing from us as elected officials. And what I mean by that is um, it's not unusual um, to this audience today that you get uh, mixed messages, right, from elected officials where, you know, you as code enforcement officers, you have a set of rules, right? This is what you're supposed to be looking out for. This is what's allowed. This is what's not allowed. Um, And obviously, as elected officials, the uh, the gray area that we operate in, um, a lot of the times we can provide you uh, communication that can be um, in that gray as well. And that's not, I've always found that to be not fair. You know, as we, as elected officials, as we have a certain expectation of our code enforcement officers and we need to allow you to do your job. And when you get to that point where we feel, you know what, um, I know this role exists, but we shouldn't apply it to Joe because Joe owns a business standing in your know, main street and I don't wanna upset Joe, then at that point I think that's when it's upon us as elected officials to really introspect in terms of what our role is, right? And to be bold enough to to do what we say we're gonna do and what we expect to you for you as county law officers to do. And if you don't, if we if we wanna change the rules, then we need to change the rules, right? We need to uh, go ahead and revisit those 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 standards in the code to ensure that that if we're going to start wanting more flexibility that those standards reflect that so it doesn't compromise you and your daily role as code enforcement officers because at the end of the day that's what our, our residents want right they they have law enforcement officers you know in the form of police or sheriffs or whatever you may have in your city or your town right that enforce laws uh, but I think the public, the general rule, um, doesn't really know that these codes exist and that there are people that actually are there to enforce those. And And you're not, you know, a peace officer in the sense of, of, of having, you know, being able to carry uh, uh, weapons and such. But, you know, you do serve a role just like a police officer does in terms of enforcing these rules that at the end of the day, comprehensively establish that harmony again in our community. So, um, I just wanted to put that out there that I, I think it's a comment upon elected officials, again, to communicate with the current enforcement officers on these things. And then if there's some rules that we want to amend that, we need to amend them and not put the, the burden on the current enforcement officers to do what we want individually.
0: You know, Juan, and w- one of the things that me and you had plenty of conversations on, on you the know, role of code enforcement and, and elected officials, because, you know, you're a very big proponent of, you know, being a good elected official. You are you know, I I've talked to lots of elected officials at different uh, conferences, and I asked that question, hey, how many code enforcement officers do you have? They don't know. Well, do you know their names? They don't know. You know, they're just another, you know, they're just there. Either they get too many complaints or they don't do anything. And, you know, so, and sometimes I think, are they not doing anything because they have the assumption that they can't do anything or are they doing too much where you know, they have the assumption that, hey, that, you know, they're going to clip our wings at one time or another. And, and, and that happens a lot. And, you know, in the conversations that I've had with you, we always talk about uh, being able to provide options, like you said, that flexibility, you know, to, to work with people. And I think um, you're right, a lot of the constituents don't know uh, what the rules and regulations are. So we have to take it upon ourselves to educate them and you know we you, you know in in the city of Belfast we did that when, when I was there we did that I mean I don't know if it's still going on today but you have a great code enforcement staff I, one of, one of them served on the uh, California Association which I'm proud of her you know I pushed her to do that because you know she's a superstar in the making um, but uh, you know in in all in all reality you know it's we have to be able to provide those options and a lot of times. You know, council members don't know that, you know, there's options. There's like, you know, for example, you know, when somebody puts up a big old, let's say, you know, a a popular restaurant puts up a big old banner and it just gets all tattered and worn and we have to enforce that. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, you don't want to mess with that business because, um, you know, they're going to call council member you know Juan and Juan's not going to like it. And, you know, for us, we're like, hey, maybe you can't don't use the banner. Maybe we can get you some permanent signage. Here's an application. This is the process. These are the fees. And you know what? That lasts a lot longer. It'll get you a better result. And it makes you look more professional, which will in turn make your city better and and invite more people into your business. And I think having those options and that education and that level of thinking promotes that 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 cooperation that way you're you're not getting the the in the call oh he's he's you know he's over here he's yelling at me he's told me i'm gonna go to jail for my banner you know <laughs> versus the uh, look i educated you know especially um you know your, your the city council knowing staff how they operate you know because you do have officers that are out there that are like i'm going to enforce the rules this is what it is and you know the code commandos and you know we 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 don't uh, really uh, advocate for that I always say hey you you get more results by educating the public because most of the public wants to cooperate wants a nice city takes neighborhood pride they want to be um, engaged with their community and sure. I, I think that's something that you resonate a lot with so thank you for that yes yeah,
1: I, I think uh, we get more out of cooperation to your point than we do um, out of you know in, in having in enacting punitive measures right? Um, I think that that punitive action is something that's merited, you know, once you've tried with a merchant or once you've tried with a homeowner or a business owner, you know, if you've tried multiple times, you document it, right, and there's no cooperation, then at that point, I think, you know, you have to have that punitive action because at the end of the day, um, once you start looking the other way and not, uh, and trying to avoid the punitive action, it just gives that license to somebody else to have that same behavior and not your compromise, um, but I, to your point, I, I find that with nine out of ten people, you know that, could, that cooperative spirit, that cooperative um, interaction, of advising, of educating, uh, I, I, I found most of the time as a council member that most people don't know the rules. right? They just didn't know. It wasn't they were being intentional in, in their their action or their behavior. It's just that they just didn't know. And so once you educate them, I find that most of them are grateful if you do it the right way. And then you don't see it again, right? But again, you do find those actors that that feel challenged or don't like the system, uh, and and that's fine. Everyone has, we all have different uh, uh, experiences that shape us, and and we can't uh, change those. But I think you know, at the end of the day, you know, rules are rules, and we have them in place for a reason. And so, you know, I, I just find that punitive action is one of those measures of last resort that you know, that the you enact, but most people don't even get to that point.
0: Yeah. And you do have your frequent flyers, you know, and, and one of the things I always tell people, um, especially my staff, I said, Hey, if he needs more time, give him more time there. You know, the city's not going to fall apart. If you give them another week to mow their lawn, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and we set a, a precedent to work with the p- community because, you know, the first phone call you get is like, Oh, you know what? They, they said they're going to cite me, dah, 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 you know, and I go, look, you, you get, you know, you call the city manager or the director and to get a little bit more information. And then you get the, you know, you get the uh, my documentation saying, hey, I talked to him on this date. I gave him an extension on this date. I gave him another extension on that date. And then I offered him some free resources and, and still and then you get the whole story because, you know, people aren't always going to say. Hey Juan, you know, your code enforcement was great. They, you know, the game work with Maybe you do, but uh, most times like, Oh, they're going after me. They're unfair. They're picking on me. You know, it's racial profiling, <laughs> whatever the case may be. And, and, you know, so how, how do you, how do you respond to those type of calls?
1: I, what I do is I make sure that um, I don't come in in prejudice in any way. You know, I, I, I'm analytical in nature, so I want facts first before I jump the gun and I start assuming. Um, and so, you know, I will take the time to listen to the resident and, you know, or the business owner, whatever, whoever it is, and I take the time to to sit down or to be on the phone or on the Zoom and just listen. Uh, I don't try to inject myself into uh, what they're telling me. I just, I just completely listen, take all of the facts down. Then at that point in time, I'll approach staff. And then to see, you know, what happened from their perspective, at, you know, at that point. And then um, I find that usually at that point, I start seeing kind of the disconnect in terms of perspectives, uh, what was happening during that time, whatever person really was, you know, maybe we have a, a resident that was encountering challenges. Uh, maybe they weren't fully listening to what that code enforcement officer was saying. Um, but then after the fact, you know, we just, uh, we, you know, I try to be constructive without Uh, taking charge of the situation. At the end of the day, I'm there to trust my staff, that my staff is there to do their job. And so, you know, I I certainly will share my thoughts, uh, but I won't provide direction. You know, we're all adults. We know what we need to do. And and I find that that's been really effective. But again, it's just a matter of sharing the perspectives of both sides with each side. And then we just move forward, you know, with a plan of action to correct, you know, whatever it is that the situation is. And uh, I've always found that, that, that by itself, that, that, that blueprint has been really effective, uh, at least in my experience as an elected official here in Bellflower. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's the approach that I take with, with situations like this.
2: Yeah, and that's really fundamental um, to be able to really give an opportunity to the complaining party to come to you and voice their opinion but by the same token exactly what you said you're taking it in you're listening and then at the same time you're going to go back and figure out what would happen, right? So that you can get a true account of the events versus, you know, jumping in and saying, oh well, gosh darn it, I'm going to get to the bottom of it and it's not going to happen again. But really having that trust in in your employees and really building that collaborative relationship with your code unit, I think is, is really, really helpful. And not only that, it um, reminds your code unit that they can work collaboratively with their city council and it's a joint enforcement effort. Um, going back a little bit into our access into the community. We talked a little bit about education and how education plays a huge role in what we do on the code enfor- code enforcement site, but also in communicating with our city council members and mayor. Um, one of the things that I, I know that I'm grateful for is I, I try to extend an invite to my council members um, and to my mayors to go out in the field with me and kind of check out what's happening in the community so that they can get a true account of kind of the day-to-day of what what we see out there, um, to give them a better perspective so that they understand how everything kind of comes together. Um, And I think that's also very true with our community. Um, We have a high percentage of uh, a large Latino community here where where I am in my city. Um, And also in my previous city, we had a large number of Latino community that, again, going back to your point they don't always know the rules or the regulations, right? It's a learning curve for them. So education is definitely key on the external and the internal side being able to relay, hey, this is what we're about. This is this is kind of a joint operation, meaning we're working together collaboratively. And absolutely, our overall goal is always voluntary compliance. We're here to give you avenues for compliance and not necessarily, you know, lay that hammer down heavily too heavily. Um, so I think that that is that's really instrumental that you said that. What do you, what are your thoughts along that same line about equitable opportunities when we're going out to do enforcement? How does that fit into um, perhaps some of the strategic goals as a council member?
1: Um, can I ask you to uh, just uh, kind of guide me on what you mean by equitable?
2: Yeah. So when we're looking, for example, we talked about how. Um, some communities don't, don't have that knowledge base or that background as to what requires a permit or what even is a building department, right? Okay. Um, some of our communities don't understand that process. They wouldn't even know to go online to figure out if they needed a permit for something. So when I'm, when I'm referring to like equitable opportunities would be equitable opportunities for community outreach and engagement. How do we get that information out? What are some of the goals that we, we normally like to see to be able to shoot out that information to those communities?
1: That's a great question. You know, it's. I think it's. Um, the question that you're posing is something that, that's uh, applicable not only to court enforcement, but, but frankly to just about any city department. Um, when I was in graduate school, um, I took a course that I fi- that title I found really interesting, and it was titled Strategic Human Resources. It wasn't human resources, but it was strategic, and after taking the course during the the, uh, the, um, the time I was taking the course, what I found is that that first word strategic was really important. And it was the effort of this course was to, to attempt to educate not only elected officials, but also um, our professionals that are in the human resource uh, field to not be just human resources and whatever it is, that human resources, uh, was defined find what we individually defined it as it was really a, truly an effort of of raising the profile of this department that it's not just a matter of hiring and firing or providing benefits but it's also the key roles that human resources as an industry or even as a member of the family in a city family uh, plays that's vital right um, and and so and so where I'm going with this is that um, to your point on code enforcement is mostly community I would find isn't really aware of code enforcement um, and the role and what and the, the role that they play. And so uh, I think these avenues, these efforts that like were in here this morning, like videos, um, really to educate uh, our residents are key, not only that, but also, you know including like a little um, like a little story expose, um, within the traditional city newsletter or town newsletter, whatever that you may have, or even uh, you know using social media, and just having a, a small little profile of of me, Pete. Right, this is what Pete does for the city. Uh, this is his daily role. Um, and 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 I think when we start doing that and we humanize these um, these roles that we have in our police force and officers within the community, but we we put it out there intentionally, you know, as part of a marketing effort. Um, I think little by little you'll start chipping away. You'll start engaging and educating the community in terms of what how vital this role is that we all play, and uh, the, again their daily lives that they're not even aware of. Um, and so, in in and so back to the human resources uh, example, it's it's allowing for code enforcement to start being strategic, right, and to start educating and start really reminding people of how vital the role is. Um, uh, I find I work in my in my uh, consulting business. I work with a lot of cities, a lot of municipal officials um, and and other elected officials. And so uh, far too often I find that when when municipalities or when townships find themselves in in financial straits and and you start looking for ways of of, you know, rightfully trying to balance a budget um, that far too often, you know, you start trimming. In areas, in terms of staffing, that uh, really are—you um, start chipping away in areas that are vital. Every single role, every single person in a, in, a, in a, an operation of a city is vital. Um, but I find that that too far too often we start chipping away in parts of our of our municipal family um, because we as elected officials aren't aware of the roles that they play. <laughs> Right, And so it's really important, I think, that uh, in the code enforcing community that, that in a very um, diligent but you know, respectful way that you remind us as elected officials of really what your true role is so that uh, you become that strategic element, that strategic partner uh, to that elected official and also to the community as a whole, right? That you're there to establish um, and to enforce these rules that we as a community generally have adopted. Um, I think that's really vital. So um, I hope that that's a value to you and to this. this.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's great. And in fact, um, you know, the one thing that the nugget that I'm taking from what you just said is a, a lot of great things. But most specifically, um, for those of us listening in, humanize the role of the code officer, humanize what it truly, really means, what it is. Um, the safety component, the outreach component, the being able to work together to find and then goal to to come into compliance, to be able to be resourceful, right? Um, and not really look at it as a negative uh situation, a negative department or a negative limelight, if you will, but really give it that human element that it requires to truly understand um the positives that surround code enforcement and how it truly is a benefit to the community. So I think that was a really great point to be made. And so you heard it here first, folks, you know, from we got to be able to allow that the element which is really really great.
1: You know something that I think we as people um, we forget is really the power of a story. Um, the, the're, it takes time. It's not easy right And I think a lot of us including myself, believe it or not I'm, a, I'm an introvert by nature. <laughs> right Uh, but i think whether you're an extrovert or an introvert or you're really aggressive in your job or you're you know really kind whatever it is i think that one commonality that we all have is we all like stories right and they're really effective in getting a message out yeah you can lay out rules in a sheet right and and, and some of us that's that's key that's great right but when you start framing a story around those things and 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 examples I think that's when you really engage somebody. Because again, that's something that foundationally, you know, from back in our Cayman days, we've always been intrigued by as a story. And uh, I've always found it interesting when I think all of us get uh, newsletters over the mail and you know, in our city jobs that, you know, promote all these um, development courses, right? Online, of, you know, how can you sharpen your tools on this and that. And I remember the first time that I saw, uh, I was um, marketed a, a, a a development course on the art of storytelling and it was so like bl- mind blowing. I was like, what is this? I thought it was, first of all, I thought it was a joke. Um, I hope I'm not offending any storytellers out there right now, but I really thought it was a good joke. And then, uh, the farther I, you know, the older I get and the more experience I have, um, I find that again, that art of storytelling is so powerful and it's so effective in engaging somebody and hitting them. And, um, to the point where I find myself telling stories and you have no idea how many people, you could see it as you're talking to somebody, especially in the code enforcement. You can tell when somebody is really paying attention just from that look, right, that nonverbal. And when you start telling somebody a story, it just, it's engaging, it's really effective. And so I think in terms of making code enforcement that's much more strategic, uh, I think uh, framing that, that narrative, that story, humanizing it, I think it, it would be really powerful.
0: And one of the reasons that we love uh, doing this platform is because we get to tell stories. We're telling your story, you know. And you know, one of one of the things I remember a lot being in Belfair. We I was there when the um, the housing crisis happened, and code enforcement was on the chopping block, and it was a sad time, you know. And I and I you know and I never wanted it to happen to me again or anybody that worked for me. And the reason that happened is because we were, code enforcement was seen more of a luxury than a necessity. And I think, you know, when you have the, a community has that view of code enforcement being like the pool man, you know, that's the first one to go or the, the housekeeper, you know, no, you, we're an essential service. If you, if you 100% do it properly, because if, if you're just there maintaining and not adding value to your community, that is a recipe for, you know, if you're just trying to stay afloat, you know, you're probably going to be the first one to sink. It's the people that are swimming towards the shore that, that you know, that get the goal done. Um, the way we were saved is because we actually started enforcing some of the codes that we were actually, um, you know, the, some cost recovery codes that we did. And that was effective for code enforcement to stay afloat at that time. And, you know, they kept up with it. And, you know, one of the things that now we, we do a lot is, you know, on these platforms, we tend to teach what we know that way other code enforcement people can benefit. So if another council members hearing this, you know, and this stuff resonates, you know, we're always happy to have people on, you know, you um, with the league of cities, you know, I'm going to be at the league of cities next week. And I'm so excited. I mean, two weeks, so excited to meet all these uh, mayors, council members. And it's funny because I always, always ask the question, Hey, how many code enforcement people do you have? And it's mind blowing how, you know, people don't know. And I love educating, you know, one of the things that I'm working on this year is putting together a free training module for code enforcement uh, personnel that, you know, may not have the funds to send people to training because there's a lot of untrained code enforcement officers. They're just shooting from the hip or learning from a guy who learned from a guy who really kind of didn't do his job so well, you know, so we're trying to standardize this.
1: (laughs) And I'm glad you bring that up, right. Is, um, you know, again, it, enforcement, just the, the title itself says it all. It's it's vital. And doing it wrong can have really some very uh, wide-ranging and impactful reverberations uh, if you don't do it right. So the equivalent to me is, you know, would I send out a peace officer on the community without fully training that, that that woman or man to be a law enforcement officer, right? And, and I think our community expects, I know you wouldn't, right? That person needs to be trained because... They could be, they can encounter a situation that could cost somebody a life or their own life, right? And in that same vein, you know, because of the amount of interaction that of enforcement officers have with the community, there's no way in hell that I would send a code enforcement officer to the community, you know, if they were not trained. So I really hope that that this conduit that we're doing today really serves to remind my fellow elected officials, you know, of the importance of, of definitely training our code enforcement officers uh, to have the tools to do their job the right way. Um, uh, because, you know, the last thing that I as an elected official would want to do is compromise somebody, not only, um, you know, in terms of their career, um, but also in terms of the life. Cause at lot times, as you know, from depending on the situation, the person that you're encountering, um, some people are way more aggressive than others uh, out in the community and, and you just didn't ever know what you're going to encounter. So I, I definitely would hope that, that this, that this is a message that you carry, man, that that will um, definitely re- uh, resonate with people, so that they start doing the right thing from the elected official perspective in support of, of the code forcing community.
0: And 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 for you know the purpose, I know we're, we're see it's funny because we said thirty minutes. See how fast it goes; it's, it's amazing. <laughs> but one of the things that we we like bringing on uh, folks on is you know we want to actually hear your story. Were you one day sitting there and say, you know what, I'm going to run for city council. Or I'm going to joined the planning commission. So h- how was the evolution of Juan to eventually serving as a, you know, president of the LA County, uh, you know, League of, of Cities and doing all the stuff that you've done? I mean, I'm so impressed. I mean, you know, I'm, I am I meet so many people. And I meet a lot of legislators, but you actually, uh, you know, you, you, when you walk the walk, you talk the talk. I mean, you're it, dude. I, I, I love it. Um, you're here today. You know, you made a commitment some time ago. You, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'm like, and you're here today. Yeah, of you know? course,
2: awesome.
0: Yeah. I, I love it, and I love your commitment. So, tell us a little bit about how uh, how you came about to uh, you know being an elected official.
1: I can tell you that um, being elected official was something I never ever aspired to do. As I mentioned before, I'm an introvert by nature, so you know, reading a book and being listening to music on my own is something that I treasure. And um, and I still have that to this day. Uh, I, uh, so even, I would say even 10 years ago, being an elected official was not something that I aspired to do. It was something that was so foreign to me. Um, but, you know, it really, it, it reminds me of, of how just life kind of meanders in a way where we just never expect to. And instead of fighting it, I, I just kind of, I just go with the flow. And in this case, um, I just had some people um, that I'm grateful for in my life, in my community, that something in me that I didn't see back then, right? And in terms of being an elected official and being a leader in the community. And so I, it's something I don't take for granted. Um, and it's for me personally, um, it, I, you know, I, I kind of like the way you ask a question, Pete, of people in terms of how many, if they if they ha- are, are aware of how many force enforcement officers or in the community, um, one question that I tend to ask other elected officials is, uh, Why did you run? Right. Why did you run for office? And I can tell you without naming names that, and very unscientific, I'll point that out, that 90% usually of the elected officials that I run into, they ran for office because something happened that triggered them. Whether it was a business owner that didn't like the way City Hall was treating them, it, it was or somebody um, uh, uh, put a uh, a fire hydrant in front of the house that they weren't happy about. It's, it was a trigger, and in my case, um, it wasn't a trigger. My my case, it was it was really just wanted to be an example to my sense. And again, I have three boys, and I thought, you know what, I I, I should change that narrative of of someone should, right? Someone should fix something. Somebody <laughs> should take care of that sign that's not up. Uh, you know, to, I, I switch it from someone to I. And when I did that, you know, I wanted to be an example to my sense. And so I just envisioned myself just uh, serving in a commission, just contributing back to the community, giving back, you know, the knowledge that I have, you know, based off my experience and being in the public, uh, in the public role, I used to be a, a, a city staffer in the past. So, you know, I had intimate knowledge of the inner workings of the city. And so I thought, you know what, this is a way of giving back. And, showing my sense that they can give back to the community as well. And then from there, it just evolved. It just, you know, was something that I didn't aspire to do. In fact, the first time that I had, um, uh, you know, really good people in the community in Bellflower that reached out to me, asking me about running. Um, I, I said, no way, I'm not going to run. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to be in the front. I don't want to be talking in front of the people. I don't want to make me, you know, I just, I was comfortable in being in the back, but then I reminded myself of that of that credo of I should instead of someone should. And when I reminded myself of that, I thought, you know what, I need, to, I need to walk that talk. And so I just, I'd never run a campaign. I never, you know, I had run for office. And um, and lo and behold, I, you know, the residents of Bellflower apparently in my case, like, you know, the vision that I had, I think they found that you know they could relate to my story, and I could relate to their story, and I think we're all at the end of the day. What I found is that we're all wanting the same thing, and and so thankfully, you know, they elected me to office. But you know, to tell you that when I was a kid, I wanted to be, you know, the president of the United States or something of that role is definitely was not the case in my case. So, you know, I, if there's anybody out there that's looking at this video and you know aspiring to be, you know, elected official, I, you know, definitely do it. And you never know. There's people that are watching this that were just like me, that are just like me, and and probably that's the last thing they want to do. Um, I could definitely say it's something that's attainable. It's something that uh, that's you know you can take great pride in, um, and it's something that you know comes with an immense amount of responsibility. But it's truly gratifying. Uh, in my case, you know, being a city that has spearheaded the effort um, not only in economic development as PTA but also in And us having our own homeless shelter that's a model to other cities, you know, of us, you know, uh, undertaking efforts in in the industry of cannabis, uh, which, again, it's really controversial. But in our case, uh, ensuring that 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 use, that 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 activity, that commerce is definitely controlled, you know, to the point where it doesn't spill over and affect our community. Um, It's something that I'm truly, truly uh, proud of. And the fact that our community as a whole is the center of living is is continuing to improve. So, again, just so many things that that that, that have happened in my career as an elected official. But uh, again, just reminded that it doesn't happen with just one person alone. It takes a village. It, it takes communication, and it takes our community of force and officers to you know to maintain it as well. So I just can't thank you both enough, and everyone that's watching this for what they do on an everyday basis in our communities.
0: And one of the things I really want to thank you for, you're very pro uh, military, you know, you being a veteran, you know, and you invite me to everything that you have to do with the military, and I show up when I can. And you know, some, you know, the uh, rebuilding of that monument was awesome um, in Bellflower. If you guys haven't gone, it's such a beautiful monument. Um, you're also very uh, integral part of bringing in the wall, you know, yeah. the Vietnam, uh, Vietnam, the traveling wall. Uh, You know, I I, it was, um, you know, just being there because I've never gone to the Washington one and, you know, just seeing it. It's just it's touching. And, you know, you see people there crying and because they never had the opportunity to see it. And, you know, reading all those names, you know, um, you know, people don't really realize, you know, the sacrifice a lot of our our servicemen uh, take. And you understand that, you know, um, featuring all our people that serve in the city of Bellflower, you know, having their flags up on post, you know, that's, that's something, you know, that, you know, parents as a parent that maybe lost their kids or have uh, kids in a the service they can be proud of and say, you know, I mean, I personally joined, I, I joined the service and, you know, I, I didn't think my parents were proud. It was just another thing I did, but, you know, seeing them and, you know, down the road and watching them me take that walk was, you know, it's I saw the proudness in, in them and, that's something that I really didn't experience a lot as a kid, you know, and, and, and for you to bring that element into the city, is just, it's just outstanding. And, you know, I, I love that you do that, you know, because you put not only yourself into your community, you know, you're putting everybody else that has a similar type of experiences into that. So I thank you for that.
1: Absolutely. No, proud veteran. Um, definitely. You know, I think um, in our daily lives, we forget, right. That, I think we forget how special really our country is. Um, and yeah, it's not perfect, but we forget that. And I think um, reminding ourselves, right, of, of of that fabric that really ties us all, um, not, a, not only in my cities as Belflaurians, but also as Americans, it's really important. I think we're all here in this country for a reason. And so, you know, we have these events, like you said, like the wall that heals, uh, you know, the opening uh, Vietnam Veterans Memorial that we had in Bellflower, we were really proud to have and. You know revitalizing our veterans memorial in our city um i think those are just efforts really just to remind us right of of how special of a country we do live in the sacrifices that have gone on to you know to allow us to really truly have our, our way of life that we have in our country that we've all bought into right as americans that we all um you know adhere to and so it's just again a reminder uh, it's in today's times it's easy to forget um and uh so again just it doesn't matter what political affiliation you have or or your values or anything at the end of the day, you know, we're all Americans. And so um, to be able to do that and have the community come out and support those efforts and support our veterans on a personal level, it means a, a great deal to me as a, again, as a, as a wartime veteran.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, you you would be proud to know Juan that we have actually an awesome member of our code enforcement and building industry um, community. His name's Jack Applegate, and he actually works um, super hard and super devoted in helping veterans um, get into their home. And he he um, takes charge in the home build. Uh, projects for veterans um, out of Oregon um, and assist in everything he can do. Uh, He's actually currently running um, as a candidate for the ICC board of directors. Really, really awesome guy. Um, But it it really goes back to what you said. It's the very fabric of our freedom and our constitutional rights and the right to live in an awesome place, a healthy place, a thriving place, and really creating that sense of caring by showing, or the sense of community by showing the sense of caring. It just really goes a long way. <clears throat> I think what I wanna just kind of remind everybody of some key points that that were brought up today from Juan is one, it's really important to dive into that human element, to really look at humanizing the roles of, you know, those um, folks that are serving their communities to, to really dive into painting your picture, right? Not Not just drawing it, but really being a Picasso of what it is that you're trying to accomplish in your communities and also Reminding yourself that maybe this was in the trajectory of the road that you wanted to take as far as whether or not you wanted to go into inspections or into a political role or city council or mayor or representative of your state or what have you, but really ask yourself, if not now, when, right? If not now, when? And I think you're a perfect example—one of, of you know, that tenacity and that grit and that you know, dedication to get to where you want to be, and really embrace the role that that you're in, right, and the path that you took or the path that led you to where you are, that unbeknownst to you, you were going to have today, right? So, thank you so much for all the great information. I really well received and really great information shared today. Awesome.
1: Thank you for the opportunity again. Thank
2: you.
0: and Thank you, everybody. And one last, one last note, you know, to piggyback off what of Cecilia said, <clears throat> communicating with the public is so essential, whether it be the cannabis or the shelter, whatever, whatever you got going on in your community, it's so important to communicate that message with the public because at the end, this is going to be enforcing some of the uh, anti-camping regulations on private property. It's going to be code enforcement. Who's going to be, um, who's going to Enforce some of the cannabis regulations, code enforcement, right? And and he knew. And Juan does a great job, and him and the rest of the council do a great job of communicating that message. You know, getting, you know, putting some forums on together where it's on Zoom or live. It's so important that you always, always outreach to your community, and sometimes it's just on education, just accessory dwelling units, on what you can and can't do. I mean, it's just so important. And again, Juan. Thank you for, you know, just being a, a great part of my community. You know, I'm proud to say I voted for you. I don't care what the other candidates say, but I voted for you. Uh, you know, I will continue <laughs> whenever you run. So if I ever see you again on some ballot, I'm like, you know, but I really appreciate you and thank you for coming on. It's a great treat for the code community, you know, and, you know, Anytime they have questions, you know, um, uh, you know, I'm here to ask, you know, and if they anybody out there in, in internet world, if they need a presentation on code enforcement, you could always reach out to me. I, you know, I do this all over the country and, you know, I'm able to do this for anybody that really needs it, whether it be on zoom or wherever. Um, But other than that, um, yeah, thank you. And, you know, and I'm also proud Latino. Um, who, uh, started his own business six here on, um, you know, I forgot to mention that you you know, you help, uh, help, uh, businesses, uh, you know, navigate through some of the, uh, some of these regulations at times. So, and thank you for that. You know, you make our job easier when they have a person to work with. So thank you. Oh, for- thank you,
1: Pete. I appreciate that. Um, again, thank you for the opportunity to share my story today. And uh, if I can ever be of any any help to uh, the quota forcing community, count on me. But otherwise, uh, Pete, it's always always a pleasure being your company. Cecilia, it's a pleasure to meet you. I look Thank forward to, to meeting you in person one of these days. And if, you, if anybody goes a league uh, conference and here in California um, and next month in Sacramento, I'll, I'll be there. And please come over and say hi.
2: Absolutely. And you know what, Juan, Juan I, you don't live in my city, but I would have voted for you too. So, <laughs>
1: yes, great time. Thank you. Yes. All
0: right. Thank you, Juan. Thank you for your time. Bye, okay, guys. Bye. Take Bye. care. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Okay.